A lot has happened in the sporting world since we last spoke. Antonio Brown, holy shit, man, ends up passing up the $34 million, which he blew out in Oakland, then the Pats, the $15 million that he got. Not good enough, apparently. $9 million in bonus money he was offered for the season, though. Don't forget about that. It's for the season, and it was prorated as it went on. So him only being there for about a week and a half, two weeks, he's only looking at around 150 k right? This guy just blew it. He's totally off his rocker. Then he comes out and talking about, I'm not playing in the NFL anymore because of the, the jaded, biased attitude of I'm able to do whatever I want to do as the NFL or the ownership and go above the law. It's a whole different topic that you want to get into. I'm not here to, to dictate to you if it's NFL worthy or not. I'm just going to look at it as a guy who had $34 million in his hand and all he had to do was shut up and play football. That's the way I'm looking at it. I can't, I can't get over the Antonio Brown situation, the AB. And then he's down here Instagramming himself, walking out of the courtroom, acting like he didn't know that anybody else was going to be around when he gets out of a courtroom. You got poor Leanne Morone down here, or Morihone down here, walking pregnant behind AB, and he's talking about, you guys sent the pregnant lady and everything to come ahead and take a peek at me. I just, this whole story just rubs me the wrong way. Um, I'm a big believer in uh, being thankful for, for what you're blessed with. And $34 million just basically throwing it down the drain. I, I don't have any time or patience for, for somebody, regardless of political stands or helmet lawsuits or whatever the hell he wants to do. I, I'm, not, I'm not into it. Take your $34 million, play some football, shut up and enjoy the rest of your life. Because this, a lot of people were talking about, is he going to get back into the NFL? Is he going to be allowed back in the NFL? Well, right now he's a cancer. Granted, the young man's super talented, and he probably has a few more years left in him, but right now he's a cancer, and nobody's going to want to touch a cancer when it comes to NFL programs. Again, billion plus, plus, plus dollar industry. Nobody needs that. Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, can't wait for that freaking one, man. It's starting to buzz a little bit down here in South Florida. You got Jorge showing up in the Scarface suit. That's going to be insane. That's on November 2nd, UFC 244. They even went ahead and... Had, uh, had Mr. White talking about the $50,000 belt cost that it's going to be, the BMF belt. Absolutely awesome. Awesome. I can't, I've never really been too excited lately in the fight game to watch many fights. Back in the day when it was GSP and you had a couple other different big-time fighters, I was more of a fan of like one of the originals UFC stuff with the Shamrock and the Gracies and that kind of thing. That's what I grew up on. I ended up doing, actually, I worked with Pat Militich for a while, uh, and I did a lot of stuff with Randy Couture and Frank Trigg. So I'm pretty familiar with the fight game. I just, I kind of lost interest in it because it became so saturated. But trust me, you're going to get me off my seat for this one. Local Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz in the bad motherfucker belt. 50 G's that thing cost me. It's like their own turnover chain kind of thing, you know? So that's going to happen on November 2nd. And then over the weekend, you saw some unreal quarterback play. And I'm talking about from some young stars. Mahomes with the Chiefs, this young man, holy shit, man. Two years in a row, 10 touchdowns, 1,200 yards, first three games, clean as a whistle, going against Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, 33-28 to 28 was that final of that game. That was edge-of-seat football the whole day. Like, it was, it was really good football all day long. The Vikings had a great game as well. Poor Falcons versus Indy. My Falcons, man. Shout out to the Atlanta Falcons. Poor guy, Keanu Neal. I, I'm, I'm, my heart broke for him. Last year, he ended up blowing his ACL out at the beginning of the season. 
Actually, it was the first game of the season last year. Um, and, and then now again, he's dealing with ruptured Achilles. So it was, it was kind of heartbreaking to me to see him go down again and miss another year of football. He really does. And you heard coach Quinn comment on it. He, 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 you got to separate the business from the individual at certain points in time. And, and, and when it comes to a guy getting injured and, and could possibly be, but I don't think it will be for him because of the way that he's worked and, and, and his drive to get back and, and to continue playing football, but he loves the game of football he loves everything there is to know about it he loves the physicality he likes the 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 work he loves everything there is to know about it so you know shout out to him Keanu Neal number 22 for the Falcons that safety that just loves to hit he ended up blowing that Achilles up and then again a humongous day in New York Eli crazy eye Manning you know him he's got a lazy eye that's why I call him crazy eye Eli but he had a humongous day in New York I'm talking about Daniel Jones First game out, 336 yards passing, four TDs. And uh, unfortunately for that Tampa Bay kicker, shit in the bed at the end with that 34-yard field goal. The New York Giants won a humongous one, humongous down in Tampa. It seems like they're uh, taking out front page, back page, all these spreads. Uh, ownership is is giving the I told you so. But, but Daniel Jones looks like he's uh, – He's doing something pretty special up there, especially being criticized the way that they were after having him picked where he was picked. So a uh, shout-out to the Giants as well. They're doing some crazy things. And then, unfortunately for us here locally, Miami Dolphins sucked the big one again. They lost 31-6 to in embarrassing fashion to Dallas. Yes, Dallas whooped our ass again. So uh, moving forward, I don't know if you guys saw this. One little highlight as well was – was um, after, after the Miami Dolphins have basically you know, gutted anything that they had in order to get picked. So they're tanking, clearly. Uh, but I like to watch what the guys do when they leave the Miami Dolphins. There's always been the, the, the storyline of anybody who leaves the Dolphins and goes to the Patriots, balls out, or anybody that leaves the Dolphins and goes to another team, balls out. You had it with Jay Ajayi with the Eagles winning a Super Bowl. A lot of, uh, a lot of more embarrassing Moments continuing. We had Minka Fitzpatrick who ended up doing very, very well for the Steelers until he got kicked the F out of the club for not having an ID with a stiff arm by a fullback that just lit his world up. I've never seen anything like this in a very long time. You had like the, the beast mode stiff arm on that amazing run that, that beast mode had a couple years back. I think it was in 2014. But the San Francisco 49ers ended up throwing every single ounce of kettlebell energy into Minka Fitzpatrick on one-arm toss. And it just – it was an embarrassing missed tackle for Minka. But, but again, you had a couple other guys as well. You know, Larry Tunsil ended up playing very, very well for Houston over the weekend. So uh, one other guy that I've noticed quite a bit is, is our former Miami Hurricane, Eric Flowers. Apparently he's fallen in love with football again playing for the Washington Redskins. You saw a horrible performance on Monday night by the Redskins, partially due to the fact that the Chicago Bears' defensive line and defensive front is, is lighting the world on fire, and, and it's kind of hard to stop Mr. Mack. I, he's, he's a lethal, lethal human being. I, I look at that guy in a uniform, and it's just it's, it should be illegal. It really should be. Um, and the way that he could play and disrupt every single drive, every single possession – um, it's, it, it's remarkable to me, but, but, uh, unfortunately for, for, for Keenum, he had a pretty bad night throwing some picks around, fumbling the ball, getting sacked. I think he was getting sacked like 30% of the time and, 
and hurried the other 40% of the time. And it was just, it was a hot mess for those guys uh, on Monday Night Football in Washington going against the Chicago Bears. I want to touch on a really cool article that I ended up reading here locally uh, with Barry Jackson in the Miami Herald. Uh, it, it, it talks a little bit about our past recruiting, our current status, uh, but it, fix, it fixes in on our offensive line. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of sum this whole article up for you uh, as quick as I possibly can. Central Michigan, that we just got done playing over the weekend, was 1-11 last year. Five of their defensive linemen, ultimately the ones that, that were showing up in the statistics category when you looked at the, at the end of the game in the box score, five of their defensive linemen, only one of those received offers from a Power 5 school. The freshman defensive tackle ended up beating Donaldson for the safety, uh, actually, there was two safeties in that drive, and, and, and the one that ended up counting as a safety. The defensive tackle was a freshman. He had no other offers than Central Michigan. The sophomore defensive tackle, who ended up beating Clark, he didn't have any other offers as well. The two defensive ends, one had an offer from Temple, and the other one, no offers from any other schools. And, of course, sacks. Poor Nelson got smoked two times in a row. So basically nine of our offensive linemen had so many power five offers and even four of our offensive linemen got offers from the best schools in the NC2A. So I'm talking LSU, UGA, Alabama, UF, uh, very highly touted and, and highly scouted and recruited universities, Ohio State being one of them. So not only did we give up four sacks and safeties and all kinds of other horrible situations up front, but we couldn't even move them off the football. We went 23 for 54. 23 carries, 54 yards between Harris and our boy DJ Dallas. 2.3 yards per carry. Do you know how goddamn embarrassing that is going against a Mac school? When you got a bunch of guys on your team that has received multiple offers from multiple Power 5 schools and some being the best in the country, our most recruited offensive linemen are either backups or not playing at all. Campbell, that they ended up putting in there after they ended up having Clark sit down. Four stars, 35 offers. Bama, UGA, UF, Ohio State. Cleveland Reed, who just entered the transfer portal on Friday. Cleveland Reed, four-star recruit, offers from LSU, UF, USC. Herbert, four-star recruit, UF, UGA, LSU, Michigan, Wisconsin. Yeah, the same Wisconsin that keeps beating the shit out of us in every single bowl game we play. It's really remarkable stuff, man. Like, you're, you're, you're walking a fine line between is it coaching? Is it recruiting? Are we getting the wool pulled over our eyes with some of these young talents, these stars, these blue chippers? Are, are we the ones getting it wrong? Or are we the ones getting it right? Like, I, Coach Rick ended up saying that Cleveland Reed is going to be an intricate part of this team in the future as an offensive lineman. And he's out. Not officially, but he entered himself into the transfer portal. He still has the ability to stay here at University of Miami. But as of Friday, he's like, man, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this with with Amon because I need I need to find out the modern day football player's mentality. That's what I need to find out. I need to find out that when you're demoted or you're not starting on an on on a university team, you're on the second string. Why not fight? Why not? Bust your ass and, and do everything you possibly can in practice to either earn the starting position or just sit and wait. Because a lot of these guys are young. They're coming in and expecting to play immediately. Like I, I don't get the the the, the impatience. I, I don't get the the I want it now mentality. Like there, there's no price to be paid. They they think that they automatically are given the title as the starter because they've been a blue chipper or they have four stars. Like we just got a commit yesterday from Miramar, a defensive back for the University of Miami. That doesn't mean shit to me. It doesn't mean shit to me that a kid verbally committed. Number one, I don't care about what you did in high school. Number two, all these people, they don't they don't stay with their commitments, man. Like, And even if they do end up electing to come to the University of Miami, what's to say if that kid doesn't start, he's going to go ahead and bounce somewhere else? I'm all about Manny's new philosophy. Don't visit other schools if you don't want to go to the University of Miami. Like, that's, that, that's, that's un, like, unfathomable to me. Like, Manny said it. If you want to go to the U... That's it. There's no need to take another visit. Commit. Come to the University of Miami. Make this thing personal. Make it special. Make the crib great again. I know DJ Williams ended up going up to UGA the past weekend in front of 93,000 people doing his tailgate stuff and hanging out and barbecuing and doing some stuff with Champ Bailey. And he said that he understands now. He used to question why kids would leave South Florida and not go to the University of Miami. And he told me, I no longer have that question. The way that college football is nowadays, the atmospheres, the, the money that is spent on recruiting. Somebody on Instagram or Twitter asked me the question, uh, why is it that we can't get kids to commit anymore like the Bryant McKinney's of the world at a JUCO's? Or why are some of these kids not interested in the University of Miami anymore. And it's simple. As an 18-year-old kid, South Beach ain't for you. And secondly, University of Georgia spent $2.62 million on recruiting last year. University of Texas, $1.9. We're not even in the same sentence or breadth of the amount of money that we're spending on recruiting. My guess is we're probably getting Shorty's Barbecue to go ahead and donate a box lunch or maybe some sandwiches and have these kids stand on the sideline. I don't think the University of Miami is is spending much money on recruiting. Maybe a couple hundred grand a year at best, at best. And you got co- you got you got colleges like GA and Texas and Nebraska and and USC. These these institutions are are spending a lot of money. Alabama and Clemson, Auburn. They're spending millions of dollars on trying to bring in high school kids and their families and putting perfume on the pig. We're just saying, hey, we got great weather and it's South Beach and you can get on a boat. You know what I mean? Like as an 18-year-old kid, I don't know, I don't know if that appeals to them anymore. 
All right, welcome back to the Out the Huddle podcast. This week we are blessed with uh, Amon Richards once again coming in and joining us this week. Uh, it comes on a bye week. we got the next big game being VTech on the 5th of October. Uh, I'm going to get into a little bit of a bye week situation with you, but I want to recap the game over the weekend, which was a victory. But uh, morally, I think it was a loss, to be perfectly honest with you. The Canes ended up beating up on Central Michigan 17-12. So here's my big question. Do you think we have preparation issues when it comes to the Miami Hurricanes preparing for our opponents? Because we seem to be starting slow, and we went into the tunnel at 7-2 to two at halftime. What, 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 are you, what are you observing that you're seeing with, 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 with the situation right now on our team? Um, I really feel like it's more of playing down to, like, our competition. Like, obviously, Central Michigan, they're not – they don't have more talent than us. They're not a better team than us, except when you go into the game is that – like, and this usually tends to happen is that when you play, like, a team that's just significantly, like, just more, like, worse than you. Right. You tend to play down to their level, and you don't really go as hard as if we're playing, like, Florida, you know? where you come out with the energy and you want to play, you everyone's trying to make that big play. It's more Central Michigan. It's kind of like the plays, like the, the play calling is more basic. You know, you're not, you don't really want to do too much because you know you're playing a better team eventually. So you're not trying to show too much of your plays also. Is, and, is that what you think Dan Enos is ultimately doing? Because my, mm-hmm. my thoughts on that whole limited playbook situation mm-hmm. right now is I just don't think we have the ability to execute half of Dan Enos' stuff. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's obviously coming from Alabama where – He's had very decorated quarterbacks run offenses and, mm-hmm. and seasoned quarterbacks at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think Jaron's on a very nice path right now, mm-hmm. but I just I don't think that up front, or for that matter, on the edges, yeah. we have the. I don't think we have the capability right now of expanding a playbook, especially the fact that we can't execute what we currently got. Yeah, I've never really wanted to throw a coach under the bus, and there and you're always going to have different ideologies behind the way that you're coaching or getting taught to do certain things. But I, I felt like from the very beginning that the overwhelming factor for some of these coaches is the fact that they have to continually coach every single player on the team. And usually as you move into a season and you narrow down the roster and you figure out who your, who your starters are and their backups, for the most part, the other kids don't get coached as much. They kind of get forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, unfortunately for, for Barry, the offensive line coach, He's had to coach every single player, every day, every minute, uh, every practice, and it really wears thin. So I, I felt, personally, I felt like he was a little overwhelmed with the situation over there. And certain techniques and things that they were having to to avoid speaking about because they had to keep the ball rolling is a lot of fundamental stuff that I feel that can really help a football player out, especially in blocking situations like you were talking about on a screen or on a wide zone, just certain things that need to be muscle memory that you never really get to go to in practice because you're always trying to get on to the next thing. And, and for the first time this offense scored on their opening drive this weekend. And that was, that was something that was really unfortunate for me to hear because if you look at the teams that we've been playing, they're, they're not, they're not the Alabamas of the world. They're not, you know, like Florida being the top competition and, and then seeing the way the Florida kind of been playing lately. I, um, I'm, I'm kind of very disheartened by that to seeing them only kind of come out one time so far and score on that opening drive. And, and on top of that, we were one for 10 on third down conversions against a Mac school who was one and 11 last year. Yeah. That's, that's, 
Third down conversions, one in ten. That's not going to win any games, you know. And like, like how much of that is your quarterback, the attitude? Like, for instance, your boy, Mm -hmm. the wide receiver, Mm -hmm. Thomas. Yeah. Why isn't Thomas in the huddle grabbing Jaron and saying, "I'm open. Give me the ball, or I'll I'll find a way to get open. Give me the ball." I mean, that's that's a good question, you know. Because I mean, I just know from personal experience. Like, for instance, we were playing Notre Dame. My sophomore year, like I had zero receptions on like four targets, you know, and some of the balls leaked through, like some hit the ground, some went high, two front, you know, and I got frustrated, you know, the coach is just like, you know, you can't like do that, you know, on the field, you know what I'm saying? So you showed your frustration. Yeah, because like I was like, because I want to make that play, you know, and I know it can change the game. You know, I was kind of frustrated, but I mean, I think that kind of plays the fact that we're the coaches kind of don't want you to kind of be as vocal, you know and kind of they want you to stay muted yeah, they kind of want you to kind of just like just trust like what they're saying and just just keep trusting that the quarterback or whoever will make the play the next time so they that's kinda, funny that that's funny that you mentioned it is that. frustrating though i'm pretty sure i i know for a fact a lot of a lot of players are kind of frustrated you know so um i'm gonna elaborate a little bit on that because i watched the monday night football game the washington redskins versus the the bears and i think I could see the frustration building between the wide receivers and the quarterback because Mitch Trubisky, up until the point where the defense took over that game, he was playing horribly. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't able to hit any of his wide receivers and target. He was overthrowing, underthrowing. It, it was really, really bad. Wide open wide receivers. Same exact thing was going on on the other end, although you had a defensive werewolf by the name Mac that was trying to breathe down Keenum's throat. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, but I could see every single time a wide receiver is either underthrown, overthrown, nowhere in the vicinity. He's like, he, he wants to go back and choke the quarterback yeah. because, look, this is my money time. Like, yeah. all you have to do is get me this football and you're not capable of doing so. So, mm-hmm. like, is Jaron in your mind, is Jaron doing everything that he could possibly do right now? And is he impressing you on being our quarterback? Um, he's he's impressing me, but then he has his moments, you know, which I think comes with being a young quarterback and this is first year starting, trying to lead a team. Right. I think he's still trying to find his way and leading this team and learning how to lead a group of like men, you know, and it's really hard to do that, you know. It's, it's really hard to motivate, like what I mean, like seventy some players on a team to try and execute every single play, you know. So I think he's still, and I think he's learning how hard it really is to do that, you know. But I think he's, I think it's all a learning lesson, man. Whether it's this year, next year, the year after, I think it's we're gonna look back at like these moments and be like, you know, I was just like the, like the, like it was just him getting started and this team. We're just a young team and trying to grow and trying to learn how to win. I think Diaz, Coach Diaz, said it. You know, we're trying to learn how to win, which is true. Because, I mean, if you look at our secondary, there's a lot of young guys. You know, you got like Amari, uh, Gervin, yep. you know, in the, in the back end. And that's like – I mean, that's like your most important position almost. You know, that's like the leaders. If you think about it, people who played that position was Jaquan and Redwine, you know, right. veteran players who, you know, had a lot of experience, you know. And I think I think we're just a young team trying to learn how to win, man. What uh, what do you think can be a motivating factor to stop with the penalties? Because yeah, right now we're like we're we're one of the worst in mm-hmm. the countries when it comes to our penalty situation. Yeah. I feel that we're so undisciplined as a mm-hmm. team right now, and that's why somebody somebody commented about Jaron Williams and and him once again becoming the ACC Player of the Week or something like that from mm-hmm. his numbers. 
Um, but but I want him to like. I've always heard the ghost stories and the rumors of the way that Peyton Manning and the way that Tom Brady run practice. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I hate to put Jaron Williams in that category because that's 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 a juggernaut. That's a monster. Mm-hmm. But Peyton wouldn't allow practice to have a drop ball or a bad call or a, a wide receiver run a wrong route. Mm-hmm. And granted, those guys are veterans and those guys have been around for a long time. But at what point in time is is somebody going to take the bull by the horns and say, line up correctly, mm-hmm. um, get to the line of scrimmage, don't bullshit around, line up you know, in the backfield properly, um, when are they going to focus on the little things? Because I know what it takes. Like I, I, we've done that. We've done the focus on what it takes situation. Yeah. But, but, what is with the, the younger generation of Kane's player now that it, it it seems to me they're more interested on on looking the part as opposed yeah. to playing the part. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think that that's also a problem with not just like our team but just like our generation as a whole you know everyone wants to look you know look good look this and look that but not actually be about it or actually put in the real work or you know you see a lot of people they post videos on social media working out you know but are they really after they post that video like are they working out the same or as hard as they were just now for the video right you know i feel like that's a real problem but kind of back to i want to kind of touch on a little bit back to like when our team like don't get it twisted. Us being a young team, like I'm not giving them an excuse of right. being because it shouldn't be an excuse. Like we're all college players, or I was, but you're all in college, and if you're starting, like you're not considered a young player, freshman or senior, you know. So I feel like self accountability at this point is everybody. Everybody needs to just look in the mirror and just really just be real with yourself. You know, what kind of player are you? You know, like and just accept it. You know, if you're not really that good of a player, you know, just go tell the coach. You know that you shouldn't. Be in that position. You shouldn't be starting at this position, you know? Why, why is it that Manny stepped on the podium after the game and said, uh, in particular, he, he, he focused on the youth? Because my guess is it had a lot to do with Clark's performance and him getting yanked out of the game and Campbell getting put back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing was he said Wednesday was probably the worst Wednesday that they've had all year long. So they've had the worst game that they've had all year long. But they also had probably one of the worst practices they had all year long on that Wednesday leading up to this game. Mm-hmm. What what is it? Because it's not just Wednesday. I've been over there a few times, and the offense can barely get a playoff. Yeah. Like it, it, it's one of those situations where I don't get the lack of ownership mm-hmm. when it comes to achieving a certain goal and the head hanging and 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 the minute that something seems adverse, you you just tuck tail and run. Like yeah. I'm not calling Cleveland Reed out for for entering the transfer portal on Friday. But you saw how quick that this thing can turn around with mm-hmm. pulling Clark, pulling Jakai out, and sending somebody else in there, mm-hmm. and then just take it and run and, and mm-hmm. own that shit. Like, mm-hmm. that that needs to be the mentality, not I'm going to yeah. go somewhere else to try to compete somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really a fan of the whole transferring thing. You know? Like, you make a commitment. Like I you, feel like, yeah, if you, you commit to a school, I feel like that's, that's, that's where you're like, you're going to stay, you know? So, I mean... Like you had your come to Jesus moment when you were in a game and, and you said that that's it. That's enough. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to let the injuries bother me anymore. I'm not going to make excuses because it just seems like there's a shitload of excuses yeah, going man, on with that, this team. That, and it's contagious, though. You know, once 100%. one person, you know, says like, oh, like, my bad. I, I missed this play or I messed up here. And then the next person like, well, OK, like, 
they kind of got away with it. So it's okay if I, you know, I mess up here or I don't go full speed here or, you know, so it's, and then it just starts going down the line. Snowball and then, effect. And then everyone starts being, you know, and then it's just a lot of excuses and a lot of, you know, my bads and my faults, which is like at the college level, no one's trying to hear that, you know, especially from the fans. No one's trying to, no, it, no one's trying to see you go like my bad, you know, they I need, messed up right there. Like, nah, like get it right. You they, know? Exactly. Like, like the, 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 the I'm going to try. Yeah. No, 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 no. You either do it or you don't do it. It's yeah. concrete. Mm-hmm. Nobody's trying anything. You either do it or you don't do it. And, and this thing seems to like it's not just on the offensive line either. It's it happens on defense. It happens on special teams. We saw we had an illegal formation on a punt, and we saw the Thunder from down under have a monster punt do very very well, and then all of a sudden, legal formation gets called back, and then he gets a punt blocked. Yeah. And it's just like little shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's there's so many instances in a game mm-hmm. that that I, I can pick out right now that are just horrible situations. Mm-hmm. Um, Cleveland leaving. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm so down on fucking Navon Donaldson. It's uh-huh. unbelievable. Yeah. He got worked for a safety on a kid who didn't even have any other division one power five offers. Like that was a freshman defensive tackle that whooped his ass mm-hmm. and got a safety on our quarterback. Like th- there's just, yeah, I feel like these kids go into the tank immediately. Yeah. Like, some, something I, bad happens. They that's go into what I was going to say. I feel like. Honestly, like you know my truth, I feel like we beat Florida right now. We're undefeated and we're dominating. And it's just it's something so simple like that that could just just like see how we lost the game and it's such a close game. It's like just kills you. It's like it's like it's like they took the heart out of us. Yeah. Now it's kind of like everyone. I feel like from what I see is just kind of going through the motion. It's like kind of feeling like the season's lost. You know, like the goal of that year is like uh, we can't really get it. So it's like, eh, like. Uh, you know, I got whatever, it. you know, I, uh, which is, I feel like BS. When, yeah. when I interviewed Corey Gaynor for XM, I asked mm-hmm. him, what's his goal this year for the season? And, uh, and he said, I want to win the Remington trophy, mm-hmm. which is the ultimately the Heisman for the center. For the center. Okay. I won that trophy back when I played <laughs> and I kind of looked at him and I was just like, you're a first year red shirt sophomore mm-hmm. who nobody has heard of who barely got any kind of offers to go to colleges other than like Western West Virginia and a couple mm-hmm. different schools. And you're telling me that your goal this year is to win the Remington award. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think when he said that, I knew immediately, Holy shit. Do these guys have high expectations of themselves? Mm-hmm. Like beyond expectations, yeah. like unattainable. Yeah. hundred percent. Like everybody I talked to on the team, they want to win a championship. Like it's not, ACC, like it's not coastal. Like we trying to go to the Natty because Cup just what twenty seventeen, we're ranked number two in the nation. Like we could do it, you know. So it's like everyone's like expectation. I feel like that's what I'm saying. Like it's so high that I feel like when you feel like you can't reach it or it's like out of reach, it's kind of like they feel like maybe they feel like I'm not gonna speak for them. But maybe they feel like the season's lost, so they kind of just like. Uh, but there's a lot to play for, you know. So it's just like. It's like that fine line, man. It's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that whooped our ass that we mm-hmm. still got on our schedule that we we got a lot of payback to give. And I don't mm-hmm. like when when you talked about at the beginning about going against Central Michigan and you kind of play down to your opponent. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with the you know playing down to the level of the competition, but mm-hmm. it was also I wanted to see how fast I can get out of the game. <laughs> like, yeah. like like I I'm not trying to be on the football field and blow my knee out because yeah. I got some little jamoke <laughs> from Temple trying to like roll around and, and say that he's going against the University of Miami yeah. on Saturday. You know what I mean? So yeah, my thing was just like 
let me ball the hell out and get out in like the second quarter somehow and like let the backup get in there. Yeah. But these guys don't have that mentality. Yeah. At to, all. I used to be trying to get out the game at like halftime. Hell yeah. What for? There's no point. The bench, man. I'm trying to relax. Get know? out, feel good, be able to go out Saturday night, mm-hmm. have a good exactly. time, yeah. get ready to go ahead and hopefully you play a big juggernaut the next weekend and, mm-hmm. and get your mind right. And half the time you're probably focused on that future game anyway. You're not yeah. trying to see Temple or Rutgers or any of these like bunk ass schools that you yeah. were playing against get me out by halftime like yeah. I'll, I'll never forget like the majority of my sophomore junior and senior year if i played the whole game it was florida state florida uh maybe boston college maybe v tech but even some of those games i was out mm-hmm. i was out third quarter i'm out second quarter sometimes i'm out there's just mm-hmm. i wasn't interested like i already whooped their ass a hundred times like what, mm-hmm. what what else do i want to go back out there and do kind of thing mm-hmm. so i i think that that whole mentality is just is, is really throwing us for a loop i'm already i've already come to grips with the fact that we're just not as talented like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you heard on the last podcast i was talking to an nfl scout uh, basically a gm of an nfl team who came in and looked at fiu looked at fau and then looked at us and he called me and he said i just went to three of the same practices yeah. nobody's talent outshine anybody else, which is yeah, that's, that's sad as hell to hear. That's not good. I, I'm not trying to knock FIU or FAU, mm-hmm. but it seems like these kids are, are, are not kids, but these young men are, are, are given a lot of false, false enthusiasm and false hope by getting stroked the way that they're getting stroked coming out of high school. You know, I think I feel like you ain't done shit yet. Kind of mentality is, yeah, is, is, see, is what I, kinda, I need to see. Yeah. I kind of speaking of the high school thing, that's what gets a lot of people, not just like, like players, but the fans also, is that coming they, out they of, fall into it. They put a lot of like like expectations behind a guy that's unproven, you know. And then when that person don't live up to what they thought they were gonna be or what they talked about being, then it's like, you know, then they they you know they talk about them whatever, you know. And then that person, obviously, social media, like everyone say you you don't or not, you read what people say about you, you know. And I know. A lot of players, like one player, for instance, like we lost to um, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Player messaged me. He was like, because I had said a tweet. I was like, like players are hurting more than some of the fans, you know. And like players, like DM, like bro, like it's crazy. Like they really think we don't want to win and this and that, you know. So I just, I feel like they, the players, listen to what the fans say, and then it's like it's like vice versa, you know. With social media nowadays, it's like it's it's almost impossible to block that out, right? Like, like so, everybody is is adding. Everyone reads it, you know, yeah, and they, and they tell them to stay off of it, but it's hard too because like when you look at it, if you all right, so a lot of fans like they have a problem with the players like reposting their highlights, which I understand. Like after a loss, like you shouldn't like be trying to post stuff about you, you know, correct? Which I get, but on the flip side, it's like most of the people are like during the game, they're like watching, like they say they have a good play, they record it and they tag that player. After the game, the players are seeing all the good things. Even though we just lost, but they're seeing all the good things they did in the game. Positive which reinforcement. Is, which is which is not good. Like, Correct. I had my worst game against Syracuse. I had 100 yards, but I didn't go on social media for, like, for like three weeks. Like, really? I was like, forget that. Like, I was like, nah, like, like so, I played bad. Like, I had every reason to post this, that. But I was like, nah, like, you know. But so players. What did you feel when, when – Manny Diaz gave Jaron Williams the player of the game plaque when they lost. Like, and then and then Jaron puts that on social media, almost like a a participation trophy. Yeah, I, see, it's like it's so hard. Like, because I was just in their shoes, like 
Because that's why ago. that's why that's why I want to talk. Yeah, to you about so it like I understand. I'm having a hard time I, understanding yeah, this see, mentality of the younger I, football. Player. I understand both sides. That's like the difficult part for me. I understand exactly both sides. So I feel like he gave him the trophy because he don't want Jaron to be like, you know, he wants Jaron to recognize that he played well. It's just that the team has to come together to win that game. Because they win the game, then it's like, okay, you did really good. So it's like he wants to give him like a kind of like a I guess you want to say participation trophy for like playing really good and just keep it up, you know, like don't think that you're doing something wrong, like keep doing the right thing. So here is this trophy or whatever for, or a plaque for doing a good job and playing really well. Just keep it up and don't go a different path. Just stay on this path. Don't get discouraged. You know, but then you look at the fans, like we just, we just lost. Like, like why the hell would you give them a participation trophy? Like, no one should get anything after a Correct. loss, you know, which that, I understand. That's you know? the way that I feel. That's you know? the way that I feel. So it's, it's, it's hard, man. I know. I, I know. Nowadays, it's 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 a, it's a psychology too behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not only is it is it physical, we're 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 advancing in all of our training techniques and our medicines and our rehabilitation procedures, and mm-hmm. it's also a mental thing. Like yeah. you're dealing with a different generation mentally as well. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like a lot of these coaches almost become psychiatrists mm-hmm. in a way too because they have to individualize. Each player, each mm-hmm. player learns and, and reacts differently to to verbal abuse. And, mm-hmm. and, and I feel like it's a tough, tough uphill battle for yeah. some of these coaches to not hurt a kid's feelings, but also mm-hmm. get your point across. Yeah, I mean, the feelings part, I never, I can't, I don't really understand why players get their feelings hurt. You know, because me personally, like my dad was easily my worst critic. Yeah, you said, you like, said he was legit. I went for 100, I went 100 yards in a game and I had what, like three, four drops, like, I was hearing it after the game, like, you know what I'm saying? That's been that way all my life. So, like, I'm just so used to, like, like, I don't want to say negative, but, like, the criticism, like, right. every time. Bum, bum, the bum. shit some that keeps players, you grounded. Some players, they just, they listen to the hype coming out, you know, of high school, you know, and everyone's telling them everything right about them and not what's wrong. You know, they get here, and then it's just, like, there's so much you can fix and so much you can learn, and you can be better at that. You didn't know that because you just thought you knew it all. You thought you were the best, which you probably were at your high school, you know, or you think you're the best here now, and then you get here, and then it's just like reality check. So let's dive into that a little bit because I, I definitely want to end this podcast on that. Mm-hmm. Is is the players that we have currently on our offensive line, um, some you may know, some you may not. There's four ultimately. So there, there's nine of our offensive linemen had a bunch of Power 5 offers, and four of them. Uh, got offers from Alabama, LSU, UGA, Ohio State, like some some mm-hmm. big ass badass programs in the country. Mm-hmm. Four of those guys, they're not even sniffing the field. They're not they're not even coming close to backing up, um, getting overlooked, losing their jobs to freshmen who basically never got any offers either mm-hmm. from anywhere else. It yeah. was like it's like a bunch of Central Michigan guys basically starting for offensive line. Yeah. So. Do you think that the coaches were like dealt a bad hand by by these players? Because I've seen these guys in action. Mm-hmm. I've seen these these offensive linemen that I'm mentioning, like Herbert, mm-hmm. Reed, Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen these guys. Um, I feel like they're mentally defeated. Like I, I, I watch them in practice, and I don't know if mm-hmm. Searles, who yeah. was rumored to be verbally abusive and, and, and very condescending towards a lot I of heard those that. younger guys. I heard that, which could kill like a lot of players' yeah, confidence. Kill your confidence. You know? yeah. I heard that a lot from them personally. I see like the minute you try to correct them, there's a certain way that you have to correct them because they'll go into a shell. Like 
even Navon. Like yeah. Navon will go into his shell if he's not told properly how to correct something that he's doing. If you yell at him or if you if you like bark at him and, and try mm-hmm. to demean him in front of all of his peers, yeah, shell immediately. So are our coaches going about things the wrong way? Are are we recruiting the wrong players? Are we making the wrong decisions by starting these young guys? That was a lot. Oh um, yeah. Oh man. I don't I don't think we're recruiting the wrong players. It's just that when we get them here, it's just that we have to – you got to get them while they're young. You got to kill the habits while they're young. You can't let the habits, like, you know, let's say they start as a freshman. You know, they mess up here and there. You can't – like, oh, he's a freshman. He's going to learn. He's going to get better. And, like, you have to just snip it in the butt then, you know, because when they grow older, you know, it's just like it's hard to get it out of them, you know. And, I mean, like you said, kind of like – I guess you were saying Coach Soros, you know, was – you know, talking about saying a lot of crazy things to them, which right. at the time, I mean, a lot of players were either young or maybe what, a couple of seniors or whatever, but a lot of players were young, you know, so Couldn't handle that. I feel like, yeah. So now it's kind of like, it's kind of like instilled in them, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, constant yelling. It's like that you dog suck, that you, you this, you that. So now in their head, they're like, man, maybe I really do suck, you know? And now they're, but they're starters. So it's like, they get to the game. It's like, they start questioning themselves, you know? Can I make this block? Like, dang, like, what co- what's coach going to say if I miss this, you know? Or, you know, it's, it's it's just a lot of things, man, with this. I just, like, okay, I want to ask you for, like, you probably didn't have those thoughts, like, when you were playing. Like, I feel like, like, I feel like your generation was probably more mentally tough. We were. Than now. But I know? think a lot of it was self-inflicted because, like, I, I think my generation, like, for instance, um, we were so brutally mean to each other. Mm-hmm. Like I'm talking the outside world probably couldn't handle half the things that we were doing against each other uh-huh. that a coach yelling at us uh-huh. or, 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 or saying that we sucked at something. Yeah. It was like exactly. water off a duck's yeah. back because we were so concerned about each other impressing each other and making each other mm-hmm. give us the, the pat on the back mm-hmm. that, the coaches were second nature. Like, yeah. like to be perfectly honest, like the it, it sounds fucked up, but the, the inmates ran the asylum yeah. for the most part. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? That's what, that's what I was like. I always hear that players yeah. ran the team, and it was the opposite way. It which... told, and and Ke- don't get me wrong, Keo Keo would try to make you feel like shit. He mm-hmm. would do his best to try to like scum sucking, you uh-huh. know, piece of shit, short arm clown, blah blah. Mm-hmm. But it was it was comical mm-hmm. because. Yeah. We've already said it to each other, and we've already picked it. It's almost like, if you really want to get into it, it's almost like Eminem rapping. Yeah. He's already made fun of himself so fucking much mm-hmm. that there's, like, what else are you going to go off on him on? Like, yeah. he's very self-aware. Like, we were very self-aware of our, our, of our deficiencies. Uh-huh. There wasn't anybody saying, oh, my God, you guys are fucking great at this. We started getting a lot of that, mm-hmm. but it never went to our heads because we were so grounded with the people we surrounded each other with. Mm-hmm. So, so the... The, the Coach Solingers, the Paganos, Chud barely, you know, Chud would throw a crack in there once in a while, but but Kehoe was the one that would always try to ball bust everybody. But it became a game. It became yeah. fun. There was never anything personal about it. And I feel like some of these guys almost got – it almost became personal for them. Yeah. Like the, the the condescending talking, the, mm-hmm. the shitting on somebody basically. It just – it, it just know. seems like they're so much more sensitive about that thing. Yeah, um, I just always – one thing, like Coach Dugans, even though he's not – He was your school, former wide receiver yeah. coach, right? One thing he always said, I mean, he would snap on us. He would, 
you know, yell at us, say a lot of things. But one thing he always told us, because I used to get offended when I was young. Like, when I was a freshman, he used to, like, start snapping. I'm like, dang, like. Why are you picking like, on why me? Is he? Yeah, like, then he was just like, man, like, listen, listen to the message, not the tone. And when he said that, ever since then, I was just like, when people are like, if someone's yelling at me or something, I'm listening to what they're saying, not how they're saying it, right. you know. And I just, I just feel like a lot of players should just, should just like, take that approach, you know. Just listen to what the person is actually saying, you know. They're probably yelling at you because they care about you in right. some kind of way. I've always been you know? told that if, if, if they stop yelling at you, that's, that's when, when you, you should be worried. Exactly, worry. exactly what he said. If, yeah, if I'm not saying anything to you, that's when you should be like, like well yeah. done. Like, you know, so I, a lot of players, I mean, they should just take that approach, man, and just look in the mirror and just be like, am I being too sensitive? Like, you know, let me just, just get your confidence back, man. That's one thing you can lose as a football player, which could – and it's hard to get back is your confidence. Once you lose that is – it's a fight trying to get it back, you know, so. So is the bye week a good thing? Yes. The reflection week? Yes. I feel like this week is the week for it to kind of practice where there is no game. You know, you can kind of just have a chance to kind of regroup. You, you, think, you think you air a bunch of dirty laundry out? Like as a team, do you think right now that they're going in the big team and they're starting to air, air any dirty laundry they got on each other? Like, for instance, if Michael Pinckney's pissed off at one of the corners, maybe call him out or maybe the offensive line – Mm-hmm. gets called out by DJ Dallas or like, is this the week that that usually happens over if, there? If anything, yeah, this would kind of be the week where, I mean, where I know for, I'm just, I can speak on like what happened. I, right. I know we're, what, I wasn't even playing, but like we're having like meetings, like, you know, and like uh, Malik, right? Malik would try and like talk about and try and like figure out what's going on. And Coach Rick would come in and like, we'll have like a meeting and, kind of show everyone like what we're doing wrong and you know where we're missing assignments and you know why we're losing games so I feel like this is kind of that week and that opportunity where you have the time you know to to do that and kind of just gel together a little bit more and kind of put like the past behind you and kind of move forward and everyone kind of can have like a fresh start like you know get your bodies right you know get your mind right you know go into a new the next week you know more prepared and and just like just use that as momentum, and you know, just try and just went out through the through, went out through the year, man. What do you think is going to separate us from right now being the mediocre team to being mm-hmm. the next caliber possible future Miami Hurricane team? Somebody, I don't know who it is, but somebody on the team has to be that leader. Not it has to be a player led team. Does it got to be a new player? Because. I'm thinking everybody already knows who Shaq and Pink are. Mm-hmm. I think they know who DJ yeah. is. I'm not even necessarily looking for Jaron to be that guy. Like mm-hmm. who who like who do you think would you be holy shit that person's never said a word before and then all of a sudden he comes out and says this. If Jeff I don't know if he would or not, but if he cuz Jeff seen it all. Just comes out He's seen it all. If he leads a meeting and really like spilled out his heart and really gave like a, a like a, a message at I mean all the players on the team look at him like that's Jeff like you know like he's really good you know if he says something then it's like okay like all right he never says anything so for him to say anything is just like crazy you know and I feel like it'll go a long way in a good way I'll never forget one game we we're about to play with the Rams and Isaac Bruce never said a word Ike B never said a freaking word Played in the league forever. Guy's body was in unbelievable shape. Mm-hmm. 
had like that Skeletor face to him. And he stood up at the beginning of one of our games and uh, at the hotel. And he said, um, I don't think y'all understand how much I love football. Mm-hmm. He said, if it came down to me crossing the end zone or taking out my mama, he goes, I'm taking my mama out yeah. to cross that end zone. Uh-huh. And he started crying and shaking. And it's just, uh, that image will never leave my mind of uh-huh. a guy who never said anything. Exactly. All of a sudden gets up there and talks about taking out his own mother to get in the end zone. And like mm-hmm. just seeing the passion that, that, that a new look, I guess you could say, or a new lease mm-hmm. on what is going on in that facility. So um, I, I really appreciate you coming out today and coming on and, and helping me understand what's going on with this program mentally and, and, and understanding the younger generation of the Miami Hurricane football team. And, and I look forward to talking to you again and hopefully after a, after a couple Canes wins for sure. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we get some more wins, which I think so, you know. And, I, you know, obviously I'm going to be back. So cool. Can't cool. wait for that. <laughs> All right, man. This Hopefully, is more positive, more uh, yeah, winning. Yeah, more upbeat, more upbeat. You know? Definitely, definitely. But so you got to keep it real. So this is Brett and Mon right now with the Out the Huddle podcast signing out. Uh, enjoy the bye weekend and look forward to seeing y'all on October fifth when we see them Hokies, Virginia Tech.